the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Bullington Capital Report, hosted by Bill Bullington. For the next hour, you'll receive information on current market conditions and trends that could affect your financial future. If you have a question, you can participate in today's program by calling 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0WHK. You can also reach Bill by going to his website, BullingtonCapital.com. And now, here's Bill Bullington. Well, welcome back. A lot of exciting stuff out there. The, uh, it's kind of amazing, actually. The man, stocks, I'll tell you what, they are really volatile. <laughs> as if you didn't know that. Okay. But um, I, when you look as closely as I do, it's, it, it's mind-boggling. But we'll get to that a little bit later in today's program. I want to thank everybody for listening today. We're going to have a uh, continuous conversation on how to get fixed income that's guaranteed, that's higher than rates that you can get. Well, actually, let me say it this way. The highest rates that you can get with a decent level of safety, actually, most of these are guaranteed. Now, that's you've got to take into account that they're guaranteed by an insurance company for the vast majority of them, uh, not guaranteed by the federal government when we're talking about fixed index annuities. That's one of the things I wanted to talk about today. Why? Because it's relevant, because they've improved significantly over the years. And there was a time I, you know, I just didn't think they were very popular. Uh, well, no, I, I take that back. I didn't think they were a good investment because I thought the expenses were too high, uh, that they were too restrictive. Um, you didn't have a, a guarantee that a return of principal if something bad happened um, it was the, um, so a lot of these things have changed. And if you've, if you're out there and you've got an older, uh, annuity that you've had for a while, if it's, if it's more than 10 years old, you really need to take a look at that because there's a pretty good chance you could actually make a switch. They call it a 1035 exchange. So it won't generate any taxes, even though you have deferred gains in there. Uh, but you may be eligible for a, a big upgrade on, income and future growth. So, you know, if you'd uh, like me to take a look at that, just go to my website, bullingtoncapital.com and send a shout out. I'd, I'd be glad to take a look at it for you. Uh, I can't promise that it's, it's going to work in, in every case. Uh, and if not, it's because the product that you have is already a good product or the penalties might be too steep to make the change right now. But you want to get an opinion on that and, and kind of take a look at what your options are, feel free to hit me up. And uh, I've been talking about two different types of, of annuities, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that today. I'm also going to talk about this, the stock market. Uh, the stock market's been really good 
Um, I don't think that's going away anytime real soon. Now, that doesn't mean that the share prices won't go down, that they're not going to fluctuate because they're still stocks. <laughs> and that's what stocks do. They fluctuate a lot. They try to scare you out of them. And they're actually very successful um, for much of the time. In fact, I ordered a study. I've, I got to call Dalbar, those dogs. I paid for this. They do an, a survey and they update it every year and they uh, send it out. And it's not cheap. <laughs> so I ex sent the money in and they haven't sent me my in information yet. So Dalbar tracks the in individual investors in the country, amongst other things. But one of the studies that, that they put out, they've been doing it for a long time, is how does the average investor do in the stock market? How do they do in the bond markets? And they've got a few other things. But the one that's most popular and, and people have most interest in is what does the average investor actually do? So I ordered this and it shows, you know, what the average investor's returns have been over the past one, three, five, 10, 20 years, actually going back a little bit further than that. And normally it's not a, it's not a really good thing. I mean, the average investor would be 10 times better off uh, sticking with a group of fairly solid funds. What does I, what do I mean by that? Well, if you're, if your funds are in the top 30%, let, let, and I'll tell you what we do. Um, we look for the funds over the past five and 10 years that are in the top 30%, if they haven't been around for 10 years, we don't care. I'd like to see them around for at least five years. But if they're in the top 30% of their category, as far as a uh, uh, an alpha goes, that's my favorite um, metric to use to judge a fund. It's basically a risk-adjusted return. And there, there are multiple ways of doing it. Um, you could use a sharp ratio if you wanted to. There's some other things that you could use. I just happen to like that one. So, and what it does is it narrows down the list of funds in each category that have performed in the top 30%. When I get that list, then I go through and I start to read to see what, what those funds are doing. What's different about those funds than other funds. And over the years, I can kind of tell you what they're doing. I know exactly what they're doing, um, but I still read them anyway, just in case I'm missing something. Or new funds come along all the time. So I, I like to, uh, if a fund has been around for six or seven years and it's just now qualifying for the five-year rolling returns, um, so that's a good thing. And I uh, like to look up that. Occasionally there will be something new. Uh, occasionally some fund manager will get into that category or will into those rankings where they're in the top 30%. And when you read about how they're picking the stocks, you realize that this is something that is a skill set that's particular to that partic that person. They're talented. They have better, you know, it's like being LeBron James in, in the NBA. You've got portfolio managers out there that are, are, are the LeBrons of portfolio management. So, see, the, the problem with that is that fund's probably going to get too big for them to continue to do that. At some point in time, and they may decide to go start a, a hedge fund, which they would make a whole lot more money to manage. Very difficult to turn that opportunity down. And, uh, you know, they get to join the, the group of billionaires in the world. So as a regular fund manager, not 
may not be able to do that. So that, that's one of the reasons you actually have, you can't go just by the numbers. I guess you could, uh, it would just that it would just be that if you did that, you would be buying some, investing in some funds that had a really good track record and you find out later, well, it was just luck or the portfolio manager that put that track record together moved on to something else and there, there went the talent, <laughs> you know, that's, that's a tough thing. So you, you have to read a little bit more. I, I, I laugh all the time. I have people, they still call me, you know, did you see this over the last six months? Well, first of all, six months is not a long time period. It's not long enough. It means nothing. It's absolutely meaningless. That goes over really well, by the way. <laughs> when you tell somebody that six months doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things, and they've spent all this time searching and going through the database, what, what, what do you mean? Well, you, you just don't know. I mean, you don't know what you don't know. And until you've been doing this as long as I have, or nah, actually, I've known this for about 20 years. So unless you've been doing this for about 10 years, full-time for a living, probably not going to mean too much. Yeah. Just one of those things. You kind of pick it up as you go. And uh, I feel, you know what? Today, it is a lot easier. Not that it's easy, but it is a lot easier. There's a lot of information out there. It's fascinating to me. I can't wait until, I, I guess we can start doing seminars again. Yeah, I think, I don't know. But by this fall, definitely we should be able to do some seminars. I've been working hard on my uh, lookout for the bull uh, stuff. I've been writing a little bit. And boy, I'll tell you, the artificial intelligence is nice. And the speed of these computers is really nice. Because I can put in some criteria and it'll bring up anything you can dream up. I can write up and it'll put it in and pull up a list from all the stocks that are listed in the, in the uh, United States. And it takes it about 20 seconds to do that scan now. That is mind boggling. When I first started this, I had to wait until 11 o'clock just to download the data because that's how long it took them to be able to collect all that data together. By the way, they were charging me $2,000 a month for the data. That was in 1996. That was a lot of money <laughs> back then for, for data that you had to wait till 11 o'clock to download. It took an hour to download it over the, the modems that we had at the time. Remember modems? <laughs> and uh, it took an hour. So at, at midnight, I was able to start the scan, which took about three and a half hours. And that was because I had the latest equipment that was really fast. And now if you'd have told me that, you know, hey, hey Bill, let's fast forward this about 25 years. You're going to be able to do this in about 30 seconds. I would have laughed. <laughs> I would have laughed, but anyway, that's, that's where this has come. And why am I telling you all this? Well, I don't know. It's just, just stories. Interesting. It's, it's interesting to keep up with the change. Nothing is as constant as change. I've been saying that since I've been in this business, just because I looked around and saw what was happening. And now the change is happening really fast and it's pretty good. It's actually very good. I'm extremely impressed with how well things are going uh, on the infrastructure in this country and not just, you know, highways and bridges, but I mean everywhere. And so that makes me feel very good, very positive about uh, the future of the economy. Now, having said that, 
the market could still take a big drop and could take a long time to recover. That oftentimes the economy and stocks, they don't move. I mean, actually they rarely move in unison. It's not what people, uh, what an average person who doesn't do this full time for a living thinks and think, well, the stock market should go. I mean, look, I think Donald Trump, he was saying, you know, when we got good news, the stock market would go up. No, it didn't. You, you, do, you weren't looking. You don't, you don't do this full time for a living. And uh, so I was just like, and by the way, same thing with Barack, Barack Obama. Was, almost every, you know, which president actually got this down uh, the best? There were two of them, Ronald Reagan and Bill Clinton. They understood more than the other presidents that in my lifetime anyway, and that's personal opinion, that uh, about how this actually works. And it's not political anyway, by the way. You'll notice those guys were from both parties. The, uh, they had the most successful track records economically. So uh, that's another thing. There's more than one way to skin a cat. Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm just impressed. I, I like what I saw. I, like I liked a lot of what happened under the Trump administration. I like where we're headed now. So I am mean, uh, apolitical. It's just not, I really don't care what party they're from. I just want to know that they're going to do well for the economy so that people can grow and prosper. You know, that's that's it. That's that's my concern. And I uh, didn't mean to uh, uh, touch on politics, but I am la- I am smack square in the middle. The uh, I am right in the middle. So I'm looking for actually, you know what we should really be doing? Uh, the Fed has more power than the government does because the Fed controls the money. <laughs> they have the purse strings. They can make the, they can actually create a, a recession if they want to. And they can actually help do a lot. And they've been doing a tremendously good job, I think, helping the economy grow. And I think that's going to continue. I think low interest rates are probably going to continue. That's part of the Fed. The Fed understands that if they raise interest rates, how much money that's going to cost the federal government, how much more money would have to go towards paying interest payments, and they would have to cut other social programs or other programs, not just social, but they would have to cut other programs because that money's got to come from somewhere. Or they would have to, and more than likely, they would have to cut other programs and raise taxes. That sounds great, doesn't it? The uh, So... They're taking a tough situation, and I think they're making the best of it. And I am so thankful that we have so many really smart people behind the scenes that are running this thing, because uh, this could be really bad. <laughs> and they're doing a—they're just doing a phenomenal job. And like I said, we should be voting on the Fed for the president because he's way more powerful than the uh, president himself is. Um, they're the ones that do all the financing, all the financing. And they set all the rules for all the banks. And um, man, it's a very important position. And we've been doing quite well. So, but here's the thing. They're stuck. Now they're stuck. They understand that if they were to raise interest rates, how big of a, a damper that would put on the economy. And they don't want that. People getting laid off and not being able to pay their, their loans back and banks having to file for bankruptcy. Remember how that worked? So they're not going to, I can't imagine that they're going to do that anytime real soon. At some point in time, we may get to a position, we may grow our way or inflate our way out of the 
big deficit positions that we're in. Uh, maybe we get the um, economy's or the federal budget more in line with tax revenues at some point in time. And that can happen, should happen. I'm just saying it's probably not going to happen anytime soon. So if you're above the age of, say, 55, okay, you got to be careful. Stock market's great to invest in, and we're going to talk about some different ways that you can do it with a little bit of, protect, of protection when we come back from the commercial commercial messages. I can say that. <laughs> and uh, um, kind of see what, kind of look into the future uh, and try to prepare for the things that are occurring right now and things that may occur over the next you know, 10 to 20 years. So in your mid-50s, that, that's a big deal. The next 20 years, it's a big deal. If you're in your 40s, who cares? <laughs> if you're in your 40s, you've got more than 25 years. You, you, know, you could be all stock if you wanted to. That, that's up to you. That's, you want to take the uh, a risk of, you know, if you can take the volatility, I think you would make more money doing that than you will just about anything else, uh, especially over the next over, over the next 20 years. You got a 20-year time horizon? I think you're good. Uh, we'll talk about a, a product, too, that you can use for that that's got some tax advantages as well. I hear the music. That means I'm going to take a real quick commercial break. This is Bill Bullington right here on 1420. Stay tuned because I will be right back. So somebody please pass the megaphone. I'll shout it on the count of three. My name is Bill Bullington. I'm here every Saturday morning from 11 to noon if you've never listened to this before. Uh, you can actually listen to it again if you'd really like to. You can go to the Fish's website, 955thefish.com, or go to my website, bullingtoncapital.com. It's up there as a podcast. It's also on iHeartRadio. And if you have any ideas that you'd like me to talk about, I'd be glad to do that. Uh, normally, we focus on retirement income planning, uh, investing, that sort of thing. I'm going to have some guests on in the future to deal with some of the other issues around uh, retirement. I'm, I'm very fond of saying you're never too young to start planning for your retirement. And the reason I like saying that is that retirement is tough. I mean, if you don't have a big pension from a maybe a federal government position or a teacher or police and fire, it Social Security doesn't pay nearly as much as those do. And to save up enough money to be able to maintain your lifestyle into retirement is a bear. So you need to start young. Um, you need to, and if you haven't started young, just get started. Just do the best you can. 
that, that's the bottom line is just do the best you can. So it's a, a very important um, piece of everybody's financial lives. And I'm just trying to do the best I can to try to get everybody prepared, help them try to make more money so that they can, you know, not have to worry quite as much or reduce that worry. Uh, it's a large the large one of the largest reasons that the fixed index annuities, the newer ones, these are the newer ones. Like I said before, uh, earlier in today's show, if you've had an, an, a fixed index annuity or an index annuity, the fixed index hasn't uh, been around for that long. But the indexed annuities, if you've if you've had one and you're out of your surrender period or you're getting close to the end of the surrender period, and you'd like to compare it to see if maybe you can upgrade it a little bit, just give us a call. Because they have added a lot of, of, of really good stuff. One of the later innovations, and I'm just going to say over the last several years, not going back 10 years or longer, but over the last few years, they've started to guarantee a base income based on what you started with. And they will guarantee that for your lifetime. Okay. Uh, depends on when you decide to take it. They have a, a They actually tried to model it after Social Security a little bit. They said, here, here is a schedule. If you take the income a year from now, this is what it's going to be. If you take it two years from now, this is what it's going to be. And that's where the term fixed came in. So there's a fixed schedule. If you are taking income, if you, let's say I, I, I'm within, I, I'm 10 years from being full Social Security age. By the way, by the time I get there, it's probably going to be 72. So the, <laughs> I'll be another four years away. But the, uh, um, I'm getting closer. So I've got a I've got this plan, uh, and this is for a good chunk of 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 money that at some point I plan on turning it on, and I'm going to take the income. And even if it doesn't, uh, even if I you know even if I don't qualify for full Social Security, I'm just going to turn it on and I'm just going to reinvest it. So because it's a, a level that would be incredibly difficult to reach for the average investor even if they were using stock funds. Think about that for a second. The, the fixed or the guaranteed portion of this contract, and again, it's only as good as the underlying company that's making the promise, is probably going to be better or at least has a good chance of being better. The, the return has a chance of being better in, in the fixed portion than in the investment portion. So that's what really got my attention. You know, This has just been... I've only been redealing in these. I, I have done annuities for, oh man, over 30 years. But I took a break there for quite a while because I, I wasn't really fond of what the existing products were, the, the products that were being sold the most. So I took a break. And the, I felt like the fees got too high. The internal expenses were too high. And, and I just didn't think it was a good deal anymore. Well, that that's changed. And uh, for the better. See, they're giving big enough guarantees they're going, yeah, that, I don't care what the investment makes now. The guarantee is high enough. And for those people, uh, those guaranteed programs like that, by the way, are generally fixed, which means that once you start taking the income, the income is going to be fixed. It's not going to have a chance to go up. So you wouldn't want to be putting all of your money in there because you're still going to have to, to uh, have some money in stocks for inflation. Now, having said that, they came out with another type of annuity. It's another complete a, a different type. They call it an investment only. It's got extremely low expense ratios. I mean, extremely low expenses, no sales charges in or out. 
the, you can add a rider for a half of a percent that will guarantee a minimum income of 4% for an individual, three, uh, 3.75 for a couple. When you look at CD rates at 0.5% to guarantee 3.75 and to allow you to invest 100% of the money in stock funds, and they've got Vanguard, Fidelity, T. Rowe Price, you name it. Okay. Uh, that's kind of a big deal. You know, that's a really big deal. It's uh, so it's different. That's different than the fixed index. This is a different type. It's an investment only. And I know you guys are out there driving and, and trying to listen to this and, and are probably not going to remember that the difference between them. That's okay. If you have a question or if you just want me to go over it, I can, we can set aside a little bit of time. I can take, you know, 10 minutes. I can send you information through email. But I feel really good about this. Uh, they're only going to charge a half a percent extra for the rider to guarantee the income. That's awesome. So I, I give an example. Let, let's say you're single and you would like to have a, uh, you're looking around at taking income. 4% seems okay for a portion of your money. So you decide to do that. I remember, you know, I think the uh, 10-year bonds are only paying 1.7. So you take the 4% income, you start it right away. And your investments are invested. You've got several mutual funds, you know, Fidelity, Vanguard, whatever. Uh, the value of the mutual funds goes up next year on your anniversary date. They're going to take another look at that. If it's gone up over and it's higher than what you have in uh, guaranteed, Let, let's put some math to it. Let's say you start off with 100000 and you decided to take the $4,000 in income over that year. Okay. And it went up to, it went up 20%, had a great year. 20% in addition to the money that you took out. So now it's at 120000 So they're going to bump that income up to 4% of 120000 How cool is that? So between these two, now the other one, by the way, the fixed index starts out at a higher rate. It's going to start out at higher than 4%, but it's fixed. That's why, it, that's why they're guaranteeing a higher rate because they know they're never going to have to pay any more than that. The other one starts out a little bit lower because it has the opportunity to go higher. Does that make sense? If they're going to take on more risk, if they're going to say, look, we're going to be able to pay you more, uh, we think we will, over time, if the investments do well, we will actually pay you more, then they can't afford to pay as much. And this is where everybody gets upset. Well, I want the higher rate and I want the guarantees too. Uh, well, it doesn't work that way. Sorry. Um, but... What you have <laughs> is actually very good. It's very good. So you've got some money out there. And by the way, if, if you didn't want to pay the extra half a percent for the four, you don't have to. You can just leave it in there as an investment. If it's a taxable account, you won't get a 1099 on it anymore. The uh, dividends and capital gains get reinvested and tax deferred. By the way, this product that I'm talking about, the investment-only annuity doesn't have a sales charge and has no penalty if you decided to just scrap the whole thing. Now, if you're below the age of 59 and you started to take money out before you got to 59 and a half, you know, because you got the tax deferral, if there are any gains in there, you're going to pay taxes on the gains plus you'd pay a 10% penalty tax. So you do not want to be using this for the money that you're using to save up for a down payment on a house. That wouldn't be a good idea. <laughs> That'd be a bad idea, actually. So, and that's one of the reasons that I guess people like me still have a job because Congress likes to keep rechanging the the tax laws every every other month, and 
people need to stay uh, up with a lot of that. And by the way, I'm not even allowed to give tax advice on the radio uh, or in person, but I have a an enrolled agent on retainer that we can just get him on the phone and ask questions to. So that's how I know. That's how I stay up, actually. It's it's Bob that's staying up. <laughs> He's staying up with everything. And, and I'm just uh, calling him. So uh, we can make conference calls there, too. And that's one of the bigger differences. I mean, people sometimes they ask, well, you know, why should I pay more to go to an individual advisor when I could do this on Vanguard? Well, you know, you can work on your car, too. You, know, you can fix your own computers. Uh, there's a YouTube video for that. I know there is. Yeah, why aren't you doing that? <laughs> it's uh, there's a lot to it. I mean, it's it's not a little bit. I mean, I used to think there was a lot when I first started. Wow, you know, they've just added layers and layers, and uh, it's incredible. But I do try to keep it as simple as humanly possible because I don't like to have to deal with anything I don't necessarily have to deal with if I don't have to deal with it. So I try to keep up to figure out, do I really need that? Is this going to be a, a big deal? Who's this going to be a big deal for? There are a lot of people out there that might be suffering from this or might get a, uh, a benefit from this. And then I'll decide whether or not I'm going to spend the time learning how to do it. Uh, and um, so that's basically how I've run my whole career. Just try to keep it as simple as humanly possible. That's like retirement planning. I, I, you know how many articles I get sent to me on retirement planning? Well, let me make this easy for you. Take whatever sources of income you got, Social Security, pension, whatever. Take 4.5% of what your investments are. Voila, you are done. <laughs> now, everybody wants to know, well, why 4.5%? Why not 10%? Because the stock market's average 10% a year. Uh, yeah, but it drops 50% or more every once in a while. And if you were taking out 10%, you would basically, you'd run out of money. The four and a half percent's not guaranteed. That's the recommended rate. It used to be a little higher than that, but now it's a, uh, actually the 4% rule is 4%, not four and a half. Four and a half percent came from uh, one of the largest asset managers on the planet, manages more pensions than anybody else. So that's why I use that one. But think about that for a second. That means on a hundred thousand bucks, that's only 4,500 a year. On a hundred thousand dollars, and every time I, I, they, I need to put together curriculum for twelve-year-olds. You know why? Because they don't, they don't know any better, and they will believe that. And it's true. I mean, think about it. If, if you were to take out, let's say five percent, and you earn nothing on your money, your money would last for twenty years. At the end of twenty years, you would run out of money. Okay, so average, the average retirement, probably, you know. That's great if you if you don't live for, for thirty years. The average retirement's closer to thirty years, so you got to have some type some growth on the money to be able to make it for thirty years. Or you can just spin the dice, or, or spin the dice, spin the wheel, roll the dice. You know, a lot of people do, and you got a fifty fifty shot. If the market does really poorly in the first ten years of your retirement, you're probably trying to find another job or going to have to make major cutbacks in your lifestyle. Um, if you took a 50-50 approach, 50% fixed income, 50% stocks, rebalance your portfolio every other year or every year or so, 
but large, medium, small cap, some international emerging market, you're just really, in other words, did a really good job diversifying. There's a really good chance that you would not run out of money for 30 years. That you've just improved the odds significantly. You've increased the probability of being able to keep up with inflation. By the way, that's one of the reasons that number is so low, that, that 4% number. It's because it's, it's going to have to go up. At our current inflation rate, or at least the one the government just admitted to, prices will double in about 25 years. Now think about that. So in 20 years, they're almost double. 20 years, average retirement's actually a little over 20 years. The uh, um, It's closer to 30. But the uh, depends on who you're listening to, incidentally. So inflate, prices will literally just about double in your lifetime. From the time you retire, you'll probably need twice as much income to buy the same amount of stuff. Now, I know a lot of people say, well, when I'm, you know, when I'm 90 or when I'm 85, I probably won't be taking too many trips anymore. That's true. Um, but not entirely because you're going to be taking a whole lot more trips to the doctor and the cost of health care. Uh, the inflation rate for healthcare costs has been more than two times the average inflation rate for about 25 years now, probably longer if I went back and looked. So it's a, uh, you know, costs go up over time and, and you gotta, you gotta plan on that. That's why that 4% number is so important. I used to, I even used to say six, but that was when high yield bonds were paying 11% and you could get a real estate investment trust that was paying 10 and a half. Those days are gone. They're over. So you have to make a you have to make adjustments. I remember back when you could get uh, limited partnership funds. Boy, those things have done horribly. By the way, in the uh, um, natural gas, you know, infrastructure, they were paying six and a half percent triple tax free. Not paying anywhere near that now. And by the way, the prices on those things are down too. So I hear music. That means I. I guess I have to take a commercial break. This is Bill Bullington. I'm right here on 1420. Stay tuned because I'll be right back. Five is actually our sister station, and uh, and Danny Gokey's got a great voice, hasn't he? You know, he was on uh, American Idol, and uh, I think he got that's where he really came to fame. But I actually have a lot of his songs on iTunes, and I carry it around on my phone, <laughs> so that's pretty cool. Imagine that you know, you're gonna get music, you're gonna pay 99 cents a song. By the way, the the music companies, like the ones that produce the music there and the artists, they're still mad about that. That it only costs ninety nine cents or a dollar twenty five or whatever it is. The uh because they're getting such a small amount from sales, they actually have to stay out on the road and tour to make any money now. And 
A lot of them make really good money, but they're earning it. <laughs> I promise you. So anyway, just another one of those things. Things some things um, never change. Some things change a lot. Most things change over time, though. And which is uh, what we're we started talking started at the beginning of the day talking about uh, the changes that have occurred in the annuity markets. And I think that the changes have been very positive. If you're looking for guaranteed income, uh, if you're that is competitive, it's much more competitive today than I think it has been in an incredibly long time period. And if you want to know any more about that, feel free to reach out. I can send you some links. You can go in and play around with it, see uh, how much you might be able to get on the assets that you, on the money that you have. I think it's a really good idea for a portion of the money, especially when I was looking at the uh, CD rates before I came in to do re- record the show today. Um, they were like a half of a percent. I'm just like, whoa, you know, that's a little bit less than I saw the last time I looked at it. I like the 10 year treasury. Got to, you know, got to wait 10 years for the treasury. And it was like 1.6 or 1.5, somewhere around there. That's tough. That is really hard. The only reason they have stuff like that, by the way, is to keep the risk down in your portfolio. You put a hundred percent of your money in stocks you're going to have, you're taking a huge risk there, particularly if you're taking money out. Now, I know I'm going to get a call from an individual after this show is over who says, Bill, and uh, I'm not going to name him, but he keeps saying, Bill, they should be putting all their money in stocks because the dividend yield is is one and a half percent. And there are funds out there with 3% dividend yields. And they should put 100% of their money in stocks and just spend the dividend. See, here's the problem with that. The vast majority of people can't live on 1.5%. They have a very tough time living on 4 or 5%. So, And they would be putting up with an enormous... So they're going to have to take out more than the 1.5% or the 2% or even a 3% dividend. And they would have to be spending principal. And those stock funds that have that those types of stocks in them were also down 50%. So they would be dipping too heavily into their principal when the market has a big dip. We call that the sequence of timing risk. If you were retired, you know, if you retired March of 2000, right before the S&P dropped 57% over the next three years, okay, had three-year period where it was in a decline, there's a pretty good chance that you had to go back to work or you had to make some major cutbacks on your lifestyle. That's a, uh, not something that you really want to think too much about. And that's why you don't put a hundred percent of your money in stocks. Now, if you had $10 million and you're getting a one and a half percent dividend, that's $150,000 a year. And you're only spending $5,000 a month. Well, by all means, you can do that. And that's why there's no one rule for everybody. You know, that's, Oh, that's crazy. And I know people would love to hear it. And that's a great thing to market because people want to hear that. Hey, I want to find the one, the best, the the best possible way I can absolutely do this one thing. And you know what? It, it just doesn't exist. Everybody's situations are different. People's risk tolerances are, are different. Married couples, you know, the, the spouses have different risk tolerances. They have to work that out. You know, what are we going to accept? What kind of volatility are we going to take? I have that conversation constantly with people. 
How much fluctuation are you willing to accept? The higher the fluctuation, the higher the potential return. But it's not going to do you any good if you're in a, in a portfolio that's going to fluctuate 40 or 50% and your tolerance is 20. You're going to get scared out. That's going to scare you out one day. So you got to try to match that up. And that's where these, these other types of products, the fixed index, the, the investment only, where I've, I've got a chance of growing my income over time. Because that, that's another thing. A lot of people want to put all the money in the fixed index. No, you don't. You don't. I promise you. You want to keep minimally. I mean, somebody who was extremely conservative, I would still say you want to have 25, maybe 30% of the money in a regular balanced fund account. Why? Because it's probably going to make a little bit more money and you're going to need that extra money to keep up with inflation. Okay, so putting 100% of your money, not that good a deal. You know, not for everybody. As some people, actually some people could do it. I have a lot of, of, of clients who have a lot of money and they get social security, but they don't have a pension. And they're literally saving money off of their monthly social security payment. Now that's why they have a lot of money because they are super shrewd when it comes to budgeting <laughs> and controlling their wants, uh, you know, just buy what they need, not what they want. And they have an unbelievably high level of discipline. And that's awesome. I can tell you they're like one in a hundred. <laughs> no, actually probably more like one in 30. You know, that that's about, they're probably, yeah, about one in 30, which is still, you know, it's, it's only 3%. That means when they're walking down the street or at a fair somewhere where there's a big crowd of people, uh, they look around, there's only one out of 30 people that's, that's like they are and can do what they're doing. And my hat is off to them because they have done incredibly well. And a lot of them are pretty good investors too. You know, it's one of the reasons they have so much money is they've been very patient uh, diversify. They're not trying to knock the lights out. You know, that's when you, when you swing for the fences, you know, you, you, you can strike out a lot. Actually look at Babe Ruth's strikeout record or any uh, home run hero. They strike out a lot on average. They probably strike out. And I don't know if this is true or not. So I better uh, defer to anybody out there that's got statistics, but I would be really curious to see like the, the leaders in, home runs every year, uh, Major League Baseball, what their strikeout percentages are and if they're higher or lower than the average or the average 300 hitter. Man, if you can hit 300, think about that for a second. You're you're striking out 7 out of 10 times. <laughs> 7 out of 10 times, and they call you a hero. You are uh, making millions of dollars. You're probably going to go down in the Baseball Hall of Fame one day, and you are unsuccessful 70% of the time. That is mind-boggling. It's pretty cool, though. Yeah, And it's actually a lot like stocks are. People don't understand that. You know, Warren Buffett doesn't have a, a, a huge batting average either. About 80% of his profits have come out of less than 20% of his transactions. So he's batting 200 <laughs> With a much bigger payday. <laughs> so it, it's, it's, it's pretty interesting when you start to look at how these uh, records are actually achieved, not like you think they are. 
People think that, you know, Peter Lynch made more money on the stocks that he bought than he, and he didn't. He lost on more than half of the transactions he had while he was running the Magellan Fund. Now, if you don't know who Peter Lynch is, that's because, you know, you're a millennial. Yeah, you, should, you should go look that up. Look up his track record. You know, when you guys are all beating your chest and, and, and uh, buying Beyond Meat and uh, GameStop, you, you should go look at what Peter, read one of his books. Yeah, that guy's, he did better than Warren Buffett, and he was managing a fund that had restrictions on it. It was, it was available to the general public. Do you know how many restrictions are, are, are placed on those guys? It's amazing that they do as well as they do. <laughs> so anyway, and, and the other thing I really like about that guy, you can go to YouTube, and he's got, there's a lot of video that's up there that wasn't there even, you know, five or six years ago. It was recorded a long time ago, but they just never published it. And uh, some very, you know, down-to-earth, basic stuff. Uh, got a, This guy's got a heart of a lion. Looks a lot like Andy Warhol, The uh, which is kind of funny. If You know, I'm really dating myself here. And I, anybody under the age of 40 has no idea who Andy Warhol is. <laughs> Maybe they do. I don't know. It, it, it depends on where they grew up, I guess. But um, the bottom line is... Uh, all you really need to do is have a, a good, solid mindset. Um, you got to know, you got to believe in what you're doing. That's that's a big one. You really got to believe in what you're doing. Because if you're going to lose money on more transactions than you're going to make money on, then uh, I'm telling you, when you're on a on a losing streak as an investor, you're going you're gonna to wish that you had been listening more carefully. Uh, and that's one of the reasons that these fixed products and the, the guaranteed products are so important because you can take a, a portion of your money in, in that part you don't have to worry quite as much about and actually you don't have to worry as much not nearly as much as you do on a stock portfolio or a fun, a, a portfolio consisting of stock funds so and that's what i do i've got money there in the fixed accounts on uh, the fixed index actually from nationwide and the uh um the stock money uh i've got in a diversified portfolio. There's a good design to it. I can explain that to you if you want to call me up. I don't have time today's show. Maybe I'll get to that next week. And in fact, I'm going to actually have to wrap this up. So I will get back to that next week. So thanks for listening, everybody. This is Bill Bullington. You can get me at my website, bullingtoncapital.com. I'm here every Saturday morning from 11 to noon. Have a good week, good luck, and good investing. just caught another edition of the Bullington Capital Report, broadcasting every Saturday at 11 a.m. on AM 1420, The Answer. If you have a question and you'd like to speak to Bill personally, you can call him at 330-664-0700. That's 330-664-0700. Or online at BullingtonCapital.com. That's BullingtonCapital.com. The preceding program has been paid for by Bullington Capital Management, LLC.